<clears throat> so, oh hey, what'd you do this weekend? Hey, hey, didn't see you there. Oh, oh what'd you do this weekend? Me, little old me. Yeah, um, yeah, little old you. Hold on, I'm gonna mute and cough. Hang on. <laughs> Excellent way to start the show. Yeah. Uh, Welcome, new listeners. What I do? <laughs> we we had a class this weekend, so right now there's about six people here getting ready to by the end of the day they'll go but it's going to be an easy day some people are helping reorganize the tools we had a blacksmithing class with with zach from zh fabrications cliff dufton and john from sunset forge were the teachers and they were amazing we had basically out of out of nine i think we had nine students out of nine students only one or two have ever blacksmithed very little before and we were a little nervous we were like we thought this was going to be like a kind of an intermediary course where people make tools the, the punches and the tools you would need to punch a hole and punch a slot and and that those sort of tools, a chisel. And it, it went great. So Friday, people just learned how to hammer. And then all day Sunday, Saturday, people made the tools. <clears throat> and then we hardened them in the even heat ovens and the things we have here to, to harden tools. And then yesterday, it was like, hey, do you guys are you guys feeling like you can make a set of tongs? Or do you want to make a bottle opener? And they all said, let's make tongs. Let's just jump in. And by the end of the day, by like 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, everybody made a set of tongs from stock. It was pretty, pretty amazing. That's awesome. And it was it was, it was, was great. And then the guys from Full Spectrum Laser are here, and they brought a machine, and they're setting that up. So we're going to get a chance to play with Full Spectrum Laser all day today. They gave me a big machine, four by That's three. Whoa, is it incredible. still a steel 2 machine? Yeah, it's a 90-watt laser that could cut Dang. the cut through at least a half inch, possibly a three-quarter, depending upon the material. So today we're going to be cutting some stuff. It's going to be fun. I'm real excited to play with that machine. So, yeah, those guys are here. They're going to be doing that. And so this week is going to be. And then next weekend, oh, i got to go to Westport, Ontario for the Maker Rendezvous, which I'll talk more about at the end. So it's a busy week. It's going to be crazy. So with this laser, what are the limits on, I mean, uh, obviously thickness, but is there a material limit? You know, like, uh, I mean, is it just steel and aluminum, things down from that? Can you go up through, like, thin titanium or? Um, <clears throat> like, what are the limits there? Do you know? It's just, like, soft material. Definitely no metal. Okay. Yeah, no metal. Uh, oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, it's just it's big. It's got a big bed, and it's a powerful laser. For instance, I think the Muse is a forty-five watt. This is a ninety watt, so it's twice as strong. And I've been able to do a lot with the Muse. You know, quarter-inch wood and acrylic, really good, and a little bit of leathers. The leather's a little inconsistent because the density of leather changes from as you cut through the whole thing. So sometimes you get a clean cut, sometimes you so you won't. But on this machine, it'll be able to cut. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I was thinking when you said that for some reason, I was thinking it would it could cut steel, but yeah, no, no, that's the next one. Thinking, that's I guess next year, next year. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody will correct me for for sure, but I believe if it's a CO two laser, it's only going to do soft materials like like wood. I think it takes a different type mm. of laser to cut. Yeah, metal. yeah. It, it, and we just talked about it last time. I can't remember any of it, but you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. I guess hmm. that's maybe next year. It's going to be exciting when I could do that. But my plasma table is, awesome. is always acting up. And this weekend it worked finally for a little while, which was very nice because we were able to. We also, some, some students use tongs. So Cliff made a couple of files and we were able to cut the profiles of the tongs and punch and shape them into a set of tongs, which was cool because we used those tongs to make the other ones. So it was, uh, it was, a, great, it was a great learning experience for me. I learned so much just watching those guys. I didn't get a chance to exercise my my learning as much, which I will in the in the upcoming few weeks. But watching those guys and hearing the, the discipline behind the the concept, it was really great for me to hear it. That's awesome. Um, I was watching your stories this weekend, and they were. I think it was Paul Pinto <clears throat> and some other people were making knots. Yeah, yeah, out of steel. Yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago, Paul made a knot video where he, he tied a piece of steel in a knot. Kind of, he's very experimental, which which is which is why his his channel is great and he's going to do well. He experiments a lot. And he, you know, he goes with the flow and whatever happens happens. But <clears throat> Taylor saw that my my girlfriend Taylor saw that. She's like, "Can you make me four knots in one inch thick steel? Because I want to incorporate them in the steel leg of a table." So 
we were just worried about the knot, but then Taylor will incorporate them in the rest of it as if it was like just straight leg with a knot and then a straight leg. And uh, Paul's like, sure, let's figure it out. So he went and got some one inch straight and he did it here just for fun while we were all hanging out. And so it was nice for those guys to have the side project of tying the knots in the steel while everybody else was doing stuff. So everyone got a chance to kind of voyeuristically see, you know, uh, Paul, who I would say is a very ex- accelerated, skilled blacksmith playing around with and understanding how to and, and shaping the metal. Now, so if I'm was, picturing this right, if you have a knot in the middle, you have to heat up the entire, I would say, bottom half to curve it through, like you're actually knotting the steel, correct? Sure do. And that was that where the like challenge comes in. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And then Paul came up with this great idea, which I don't know if it's his idea, but he we ended up on the the plasma cutter. We cut rings, but his idea was to to heat it up and quickly hook the two rings on a on an engine lift, which could lift up a couple thousand pounds, and stretch it. And so you you're cinching the knot. So we pull it out of the forge really quick. It's super red hot. We hook it on the chains and then jack it <laughs> and pull it straight. And then even while oh, it's so on cool. the chains. Even while it's on the chains, you could heat up certain parts of of the knot so that you can get a better cinch on that one part. Metal is it's really funny. It's like if you heat it up and it's gonna bend right where you heat it up. I mean it's that basic. And uh, you know, it's just getting better at controlling that skill as you as your skills as a blacksmith develop. But there's so much to learn doing that. My it, was, it was fun to watch time that. with blacksmithing. The hardest part was after pulling it uh out of the heat source is like getting a good hold of it and picking out the right tool to hold it. My hands are and arms are sore from trying to hold this piece and then getting it in position to hit it. And I felt like by the time I got it into position, it's already cooled enough where it's not going to. Yeah. That's um, a big problem with beginners. Cause you think like, Oh, you, that's why you got to take it. You got to be conscious of that color, that color. You got to work within that, the range of color. Bob. I was gonna say that's why every time you see a, a young-ish blacksmith, they're like super ripped. You look at all those guys that do this stuff all the time; they are in really good shape because they are holding something really tightly with one arm and banging on it with a big heavy hammer with the other arm, and they just do this over and over and over all day long. If something happens by the time they turn like sixty; they look like shaved bears. They just turn into like a big mushroom <laughs> with an apron on. <laughs> a mushroom with an apron? Is that what you said? Oh, we've got our title in the first 10 minutes of the Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's funny because you see these guys and you're like, yeah, I've been blacksmithing all my life. And then you see someone like Liam Hoffman or Alex Steele. They're like, you know, like muscles on legs. It's like incredible. And then you see these older guys and they just look like couch potatoes. <laughs> it's crazy. That's funny. Well, I um, I usually don't talk about what I'm working on like several weeks out. But last week I made a forge and I didn't do anything super unique. So that's why I'm talking about it. Cause it's just, you know, uh, the most basic forge, not the most basic, but a very basic forge, very basic burner. Um, and so last week it was a matter of getting that put together. And, uh, I found several videos with, you know, a lot of people have made these simple propane burners out of just normal plumbing stuff. Um, some basic fire bricks for a little tiny forge. And it was a pretty easy process, honestly, to make this whole thing. Didn't, it didn't take anything special. Uh, it didn't take very long. And it's just really cool to actually have a little forge. Now I don't have anything else that I need. I have a piece of railroad track that I can bang on. Um, I have the wrong hammer, but it's a five pound, you know, little sledge. Um, so next up I need to get some other stuff, but it was just pretty cool to like get it all hooked up. I didn't explode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's my immediate thought is like, okay, so I'm going to make a thing that you put gas into and then you light it on fire. This sounds like a pretty safe thing to try with no experience. Totally worked out. But so it was nice to like get it hooked up and get it running and get a piece of metal hot, you know? And like, I didn't, I couldn't do anything with it. I don't know what I'm doing. But it was just kind of cool to like pull it out and be like, hey, look at that. It's hot and I can bang on it and flatten it and neat. Now what? You know, so I got to figure out what the next step is and what other stuff I need. I also have a railroad piece of railroad track uh, to bang on. My buddy Joel, who I believe listens to the show. What's up, Joel? Gave that to me. It says somebody 
welded the name Jack on it. So it's like this foot long piece of railroad track and it says Jack and they don't know the origin of this. So this has been handed down to different people who get started in in blacksmithing. So yeah, my, that's cool. My railroad is called Jack. That's awesome. I don't know where mine came from. I mean, my granddad had it here in his shop and there's, he has a few pieces that were just kind of laid around and I don't know where he got them, but when he was alive, he did tell me a story, <clears throat> totally unrelated. We're on a tangent here, but let's just go for it. Yeah, story about my great great grandfather. I think it was it was his grandfather, who was a railroad inspect tie inspector here in Kentucky in this area, <clears throat> and he had this big, like a spike, like a, I don't know what you'd call it. It was just a big hammer with a spike on one end, and on the other end. It had his initials, uh, uh, like, carved into it. So he could go around and would take the spike of this giant hammer and he would put it down hard into a railroad tie to see if it was still in good shape or if it was rotting. And if it was, like, too soft, then he would report it. They would come replace it. But if it was good, then he would turn his hammer around and smack it with his initial and it would, like, yeah, he'd mark it. I always thought that was so cool, and I've always wanted to remake it. I mean, I would love to have the actual one that was his, but, you know, nobody knows where it is. But I got to looking around for those just to see what they looked like, and you can find them on eBay. It's pretty interesting just to see these hammers with people's initials on the end Hmm. that had a very specific purpose, you know. But anyway, I've always thought it would be really cool to make um, that type of a hammer and then figure out a way to put initials in the end of it, you know. <clears throat> anyway, tangent, tangent yeah. over. <laughs> that's uh, a that's a great video. That would be a great video to make. Yeah. So maybe someday once I get actual blacksmithing skill and equipment, I can make a giant hammerhead and you know make it into a spike. Surely that's not too hard. David, what did you do this weekend? I had a fun weekend. My family has been involved in sprint car racing my entire life. So when I was a kid. There were three tracks in our area, and we would go like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to these different races, sprint car races. Um, if you're from the Ohio, Pennsylvania area, and you went to sprint car races, you might recognize my uncle's name, Johnny Bieber. He was really popular in the 80s and maybe even in the 70s. But So when I was a kid, I used to go to these sprint car races all the time, and I haven't been to one in 20 years. And a friend of mine races them locally. And I went on Friday, and it was so much fun. I absolutely loved it. I It was like, I couldn't believe I stopped going to these races, because I used to go with my dad. Hmm. And I think at some point in my, in my 20s or my early adulthood, I was just like, racing is not rock and roll, and I don't want to do it because I don't think it's cool type thing. And... I'm, now I, I, I there's only one race left for the year, and I, I think I'm going to go again this Saturday. And I, I really I want to figure out I want to I want to get involved somehow. So uh, I think this Saturday I'm going to get a pit pass and I'm going to hang out with my buddy Brian Smith who races and um, just just observe and somehow next year just like sneak my way onto some sort of pit crew or just like watch because there's a there's there's a lot of setup it's a it's an open wheel race car it's got a 410 motor that it's like 950 horsepower and they usually race on dirt but there's also asphalt but the more common way is, is on dirt yeah really powerful um there's no there's no transmission so there's only one gear and so they have to be push started and so oh, wow. the, the, yeah, so there'd be like a, a Jeep behind them that, that will push them. And I don't know the technical terms, but it pops into gear and they can go. And so one of the things that you set up for a particular track based on banks and, and length and speed and dirt type is you you change a gear for that track. And then there's also different settings like tires and there's a, a wing placement. There's There's a wing on top of this car that um, it, it tilts forward and, and back to give it downforce and to keep it when you're sliding into the turn 
to control the car a little bit better. So there's there's lots of setup, and I want to see if I can find a way to make that into a video because there's like there's a science to this, and there's it's where um, experience comes into play and just knowledge of of the car and the track and, and all this. So that was super fun, and I want to get more involved in that. And I'm kind of bummed that it, it's the end of the season, but anyway. Um, then on Saturday, there's this big yearly art festival in Bowling Green, Ohio, called the Black Swamp Arts Fest. And I went to that, and I got to see a bunch of amazing artists. Uh, it's a it's an art festival, and it's like a street thing, and there's bands playing and uh, food trucks and vendors from all over the country come and sell and just... I like going to these things, even if I don't buy anything, which I didn't. But I just like being inspired by the different glass artists and ceramics and and all that. So that was that was super fun. And and then Sunday was uh, just a day of hanging out, watching football. Cool. Sounds like a pretty good weekend. Yeah. So this week, I believe my uh, I'm, we're making bifold doors. I've been talking about this for three weeks, but I'm finally making them this week, and I think that video is coming out on, on Friday. But we're doing Copen Stick Joinery. I just did a, I just put out a video a few days ago on three different ways to do tongue and groove and Copen Stick Joinery, both on the table saw and the router. So you have all the options to figure out what works best for you. And we're going to do the Copen Stick for the bifold doors for our closet. And I got, I there's a, the video came out really, really good. There's a few comments that says. Um, the people were saying, sounds like your router is, is bogging down. And we were cutting hard maple. And the hard maple, we're trying to do it in one pass. We got, we got brand new bits, and we're trying to do it in one pass. And it just burns. So I have one of those speed controllers hooked up to my router. And I'm like, okay, people are going to comment that it's burning. So I'm going to turn the speed down and, and see if that works. But it Turning the speed down on my router when I run the piece through, actually, you could hear the router just bog down. And I was like, ah, yeah. Huh. So we had to go back up to full speed. And I, I could have done it in multiple passes by having the fence move forward and then um, move back so the bearing's in line with the fence. I'm probably going to do that when I do the, the bifold doors, and I'll probably explain that so to clear up some of the confusion <coughs> there. But Part yeah, of the reason router, why... I was going to say, part of the reason why you take uh, multiple passes, it's just like in machining where you do roughing passes. So your last final pass, you're taking off a little bit, and then that's mm -hmm. the cleanest cut, as opposed to removing all of it at the same time, you're subject to potential chip out. If you have some chip out on the full cut, you have no room to fix it. So that's why a lot of guys... And then also, obviously, you don't want to overheat the bear, uh, the, uh, you don't want to overheat the, the cutting head, lose it, you know, lose its sharpness. Yeah, and uh, like especially with the bit set, the Copen bit is it's a two bit set, and it's like a hundred and thirty dollars for this set. So yeah, yeah. You definitely don't want to ruin that. That's the machine. The Copen bit is the one where, like, if you look at a window frame, is that it? The one where the window you see like a window frame, like the the style on the rail. Is that what you're talking about in a Copen a bit? So, yeah. So the Copen bit, it's it's basically tongue and groove joinery for a, a frame panel, but it also leaves a bevel on the front. So it's a it's tongue and groove, but just a little bit fancier. And you can't do that on the table saw. We were trying to brainstorm a way to figure it out, but we, the the angle of the blade would screw up other parts of the cut. So yeah. Um, I'm curious. The video you did with the the last one with the multiple types of that yeah. joinery, yeah, multiple versions. Like, what was the response to that? Did people like how did people react to having multiple ways yeah. to do a single thing? I guess that's what I'm curious. About. I've gotten a lot of really good positive comments because before that, I did a here's another way to do box joints on the router. So I have two box joint yeah. videos, and then I did this, and that leads into the next video where I actually use that technique. And lots of people are like, "Oh, thank you for for doing this." Um, like I was overwhelmed with the positive comments of like, "Thank you for showing us multiple ways," because they just gives people more options and i think it's a it's a little bit more empowering because you can it's it's important to know that in woodworking or metal or almost anything like there are multiple ways to do something you can watch somebody on youtube do it and if you don't have their tools there's probably another way to do that and i think we're going to try to do more of the multiple ways 
And it's a good lead in. It's a good teaser for the next video, I think, too. Like, hey, hmm. I, good. I did three ways. Cool. This is my favorite method. So I'm going to use this method on the next video. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, for me, this weekend, we had a bunch of soccer games. My kids are, all four of them are playing soccer. And so we have now just soccer all the time. <laughs> so, like, lots of practices, lots of games and everything. But um, so that was a lot of our weekend. But then yesterday I went out to the farm and I needed to mow. Uh, it's just been a while. And it's probably one of my last mowings of the season. <clears throat> but it was still pretty awesome. I don't really like mowing, but it was still pretty awesome just to go out there by myself in like nice weather and just mow, you know? Um, it's very loud though. And so the process, like I have to do it at certain times of the day and wear some hearing protection. Cause like just mowing, sitting on like a super loud mower for a couple hours at a time. Cause it's kind of exhausting, even though like the physical stuff is not, but it's just like mentally, it's just a, kind of a grating sound over and over and over for a long time. Um, but that kind of takes us to what we were going to talk about today because somebody brought up noise or neighbors or what was the thing, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, my buddy Josh said being a good neighbor and if you're a maker, being a good mm-hmm. neighbor and in some proximity to a neighbor, I mean, the most important thing is keeping the sound down. So have you guys ever had complaints with neighbors? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> people know my people know my story and the city was always very it was like very contentious but i would always be very conscious of and in many cases it didn't matter one when i was in my workshop basement i had two side my basement we used to be two buildings so where my workshop was most of the time where my table saw and everything was that had a vaulted cement ceiling the dogs are acting up sorry and uh, in the other side of my basement, there was just a wooden floor. So if you like were tapping brad nails into the edge of plywood, for instance, to to like uh, edge band something, my neighbor would immediately start banging on the floor. So anything we did in that room, like if we talked too loud, the neighbor would bang on the floor. But during the day, when I assumed they were at work, we would palm sand and do stuff and they would bang on the floor. And then it got to the point where like they never left the apartment. I don't know what they did. But she would come bang on the door in the workshop to the to the, the cellar stairs, and I come up, and she'd be like in a house coat, like she never got out of bed. I don't know what she did. She would complain all the time. So that side of the basement basically just became storage. The other side of the basement, the neighbors mostly complained about smells. So I would always really, if I had an open bondo or anything, I'd just go out on the street. And this is in Manhattan, and I even got a message from one of the neighbors upstairs through Facebook. They, they were all Chinese and like very Chinese, like hardly spoke English. But I got a message from the f- a family friend who found me on Facebook and wrote me a note that said, my my cousins need to know when you're going to be leaving and they can't take it anymore. And I, I just said, I, the best I could do is just promise you that eventually I'll move upstate and that's, that's likely to happen sooner than later. And then, of course, I did. And so, thank God, there's no problems anymore. And up here, I can do whatever I want. And it's such a relief. And it's so funny. We were, we were blacksmithing Friday night. The, the students were getting up to speed with just how to hold a hammer. And it was getting around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. And I was like, I still have that gut-wrenching feeling of, like, I hope I'm not annoying anybody, like, as we work late. But I have to keep reminding myself, it doesn't matter at all. I mean, I'm on 40 acres. There's nobody around me to complain. So that it's, it's such a nice stress relief. And even at my other shop, I do have neighbors over there, but none of them care because they're basically doing the same thing I do. Nobody cares at all. So, and then spray sprays and smells and, you know, just having the freedom to do all that. It really, it really improves my workflow and what gets painted when and what noise happens when. And it, there's no consideration. I could run the shop bot screaming with a four inch long bit on it. And only the people in the sh- in my shop, Taylor and Brett and my buddy Ryan, are complaining. And I say, yeah, if you don't like it, leave. It's awesome. <laughs> we, I've never had a complaint with neighbors, but when we rebuilt our garage, when we moved into this house, I, we took a lot of steps to keep the noise in. Um, because my shop is kind of close to to the neighbors. So we... we tore down all the drywall and we re-insulated everything with 
uh, it's like a rock wall, wall or a rock saw. It's an acoustic installation. Rock saw. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's supposed to keep sound from coming in or leaving. And then instead of doing half-inch drywall, which is, I think, what you normally do in a garage, we went with a three-eighths-inch drywall, uh, just another another barrier of sound. And then we picked acoustical ceiling panels for the ceiling. And then above that is also uh, insulation. So it took a lot of steps to keep, th- keep the sound in so I wouldn't bother the neighbors. And it worked out really well. I mean, I've blasted my stereo... And then shut the doors and walked out. I'm like, I can barely hear it. So it, it works really well. And then mm. I, I've also had Dan do some table saw cuts while I walked around. I'm like, so I can actually work past midnight and it's totally fine. And I don't think they would they would hear me. The um, If you're getting into sound isolation, you have to think of your building or your room. Uh, at, at, like if you were filling it up with water. Where would the water go? That's where sound is going to leak out. So now my weak points are the the doors, the entry doors, and the window. And the window actually faces our house and not the neighbors. So I'm I'm very fortunate and very lucky that I'm not going to bother the neighbors. But I also have a really good relationship with them. So if there ever was a problem, they would they would call me or text me instead of calling the police. So I highly recommend being a good neighbor to begin with and creating a relationship with them. So if there ever is an issue, you can talk it out and it'll be a friendly thing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's definitely like the first step. Um, Plus it's also good just to, to know the people around you so that they know what you do. I mean, cause honestly we all, we have kind of a dangerous profession. We're often by ourselves in our shop with dangerous tools and like, you know, God forbid something could happen. And if your neighbors know that that's the situation and they don't see you for a little while, they're more likely to maybe come look for you if they've ever talked to you before, mm-hmm. you know? Um, for me, um, we, we know our neighbors <clears throat> actually because we bought my grandfather's house. I've known my neighbors since I was born. Like they have always lived there. Mm. And so I've known them for many, many years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that's really cool. We have a good relationship with them. Um, we know that, you know, they stay up kind of late. And so I'm not ever worried about our kids being too loud or like anything, but the kids actually inform the noise for me more than the neighbors, because ever since I've been doing this, we've had young kids who have lived in the same house as the shop. So me having to stop making noise, tool noise, or even like playing music and stuff so that the kids can go to bed has always been just kind of part of you know, the way it's been. And so that's translated pretty well to neighbors and stuff, because if the kids are in bed, the neighbors are probably in, in bed too. Um, but even at our old house in Savannah, the, the lady that lived next door to us, uh, we were good friends with her. She was an older lady. And <clears throat> it was kind of interesting because I would tell her, you know, like my shop was down in the corner of the house, which was next to her side of the house. And she always hung out in this kind of living room area that was right there, right on that side. So like she was as close to me as she could be. <laughs> and so I always told her if, if my music is too loud, cause I was playing drums and playing guitars and recording music and stuff, or the tools outside are too loud, just say something. And she was literally like, honey, I can't hear. So you're good. <laughs> so, you know, she, she was like, you're fine. If there's ever an issue, I will let you know, but I can't hear anything, even if I'm standing in front of your door. So it's okay. Um, and then the neighbors on the other side, we were friendly with them enough that, um, you know, they knew that if, if I ever made noise and it was bothersome to them, they would have let us know, but they never did. But also, and I think this goes to actually being neighborly, um, when I, when we moved in there, I met that family, uh, the guy, David, that lived there. And, you know, it was like we were moving stuff into the house and he was in the front yard. And so I just took a minute, stop what I do and walk over and introduce myself. And both of us in one way or another said, hey, if you ever need any help on your house, I've got tools. We both said the same thing. And he was like, hey, if you ever need a screwdriver, I got screwdrivers. And in my head, I'm kind of laughing like, yeah, I I got screwdrivers. But (laughs) at the same time, he was being kind and he was offering to help. And I offered to help him as well. And there were a few times throughout the nine years that we lived there or whatever, where he came over and said, 
you know, hey, I've got this thing and I don't know how to fix it. Can you help me? Or do you have this specific tool to work on my car because I don't have this one thing? And just having that kind of relationship, that openness about here's what I have. It's at your disposal to a degree. Um, That opens up a lot of communication so that, you know, if the tool noise was ever an issue, they're not going to be like, oh, that guy and his tools. They're going to be like, oh, well, I mean, I use his tools sometimes. So, like, I get it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, I think just being being helpful um, to the people around you has a lot to do with how they're going to react to you when you do annoy them. <laughs> so, <laughs> setting up a good, you know, good relationship there is good for a lot of reasons. But I've never had anybody complain. Um, and I do try to be, you know, considerate. I think the bigger thing for us that I worry about more than noise where we are now is just that it's a, it's a, it's a nice peaceful neighborhood. It's a calm neighborhood with a lot of families, but also a lot of elderly people. And I'm pretty sure we're the loudest, messiest (laughs) people in the neighborhood, you know? So like our backyard, is just full of kids, our kids and everybody else's kids all the time, which is fantastic, like, whatever. Um, but there's always a lot of noise. There's always a lot of random things happening. Like the Forge, I was talking about the Forge. We tested that out in the driveway the other day. So I was just standing in my driveway with a propane tank and fire extinguisher and two guys with cameras, you know, and we're just, like, standing there. Like, this is kind of weird that we're in this particular position, but nobody cared. We were doing our thing. Nobody's ever given us any grief for... Do your neighbors know what you Being, do? Be, uh, some of them do, yeah. Um, and it's funny because they'll they'll come over and ask, you know. Or like if, if <laughs> we have kids in the backyard playing, the parents will be over and they're like, do I need to get my kids out of the, like, are they being too loud for you to film? Like, I'm not filming anything. I'm just standing in my backyard right now. But certain people do mm. uh, kind of ask questions about the videos and stuff. And they they think that we're always filming. But I have a neighbor that walks up to me. And I assume he'll never listen to this. Every single time me and Brett are filming, he walks right into the shop, walks straight up and goes, are you guys filming? And Brett, <laughs> Brett just like drops his arms and his shoulders and like looks in the sky like, yeah, we're filming. He never like stands at the door and like makes like a, like makes a hand gesture. He always just like, <laughs> and, like walks in clapping. <laughs> Is this annoying? <laughs> he's just an older guy. He doesn't really understand what we do. He's still like, he's still trying to figure it out. And he kind of like, he didn't really like, he didn't legitimize like what we do he, in his own head. He probably thinks we're just a bunch of hippies just making weird stuff and trying to be hippies. And then one day the the guitar rifle video was like popped up in his Facebook thing. And he came in that, that evening and he was like, I saw this thing. He's originally from Georgia. He's like, I saw this, this video of you making a gun. I could, believe it i said wow you really know what you're doing i'm like he had like a year to figure that out but until he saw the video he didn't (laughs) thought it was like a hippie making stuff making like candle art it was funny (laughs) (laughs) and every time he walks he's like y'all filming like yeah (laughs) not now we were because like like brett will hit the off button and just like roll his eyes and like throw his arms in the air (laughs) like every time and, funny. and the funny thing is, so, Eric Eric from Hansel Rescue was working when we did the collaboration on the band. So he came in a few times while we were working. And Eric's like, is that old guy going to come in today while we're working? <laughs> he always reminds me. <laughs> Even a year later, he's like, where's the guy that does the cans? I'm like, oh, he's not here today. <laughs> when- <laughs> he's a sweet guy. We have a laugh with him now. And But in the beginning, he like just, like I said, he didn't have any idea what we were up to. He thought I might have kidnapped Taylor and that she was like a prisoner. And so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. When we moved in, the plan was to, I didn't want to, I didn't want the neighbors to know what was going on. Like, I, I, I just don't want to answer questions or try to explain or justify what I do. So I'm like, yeah, we're just not going to tell the neighbors what I, what I do. And uh, we're, a couple weeks after moving in, the, the one neighbor's kid was like, you're that YouTube guy. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he like pulls out his phone. He's like, look, 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 I'm, I'm subscribed to you. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. We're building a shop right here. And then, um, so now he doesn't live there. He's, he's, you know, like 22 years old, but he's, he's there every day helping his mom and stuff. So now the whole family knows what I do. 
And I think it's best, like what Bob said, it's best to know um, that they know in case there's ever an emergency. And so I see the dad all the time. Our, our garages kind of face each other because there's like this big U driveway. And our, so our two driveways connect at one point. And so our garages face each other and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, my son just loves your videos. He loves what you do. Keep it up. You know, so. That's awesome. Yeah. There is like, uh, this is totally in a different realm of what we originally started talking about, but there is something that's kind of weird about, um, I guess it has a lot to do with personality, but about being in a small town and like, I was hoping to kind of le- keep a low profile, not that I have a high profile anywhere, but like, I w- you know, I just want to kind of keep to myself and just, it's a small town. <clears throat> I just want to be Bob in the small town and not, I like to make stuff guy in the small town. And, um, it is kind of weird. Like you can't avoid it to a degree because you, as you get to know people, they ask you what you do and like as friends, and then you have to tell them and then they tell somebody and then somebody saw somebody's video. And then, you know, it's, so it's kind of weird that there are people that know me through both YouTube and through my family or through my kids go to their school with their kids or something like that. And it's not bad, but I had this kind of the wrong impression about coming back to my hometown and like, Hey, I'm just going to be the kid who grew up here. And, you know, like I'm just going to be that kid's dad and that kid's dad, not the YouTube person. Cause I don't honestly don't really want that attention. (laughs) I would kind of rather be, but you know, in the neighborhood, because we know a lot of people locally just through friends and family and stuff. A lot of people will walk through the neighborhood as, as families, you know, going on evening walks and stuff and they'll see us and be like, Hey, what you working on today? That type of stuff. It's, it's just kind of, I didn't expect it, I guess. But, um, but out at the, out at the farm, it's, I was kind of looking at that place as, you know, it's a place like Jimmy's where we could go out there and do anything and be loud and be crazy and, not crazy, but, you know, not worry about what we're doing necessarily in regard to time or noise. And next to us, there's another nine acre plot and there's a family that lives on the front of that, but they're, they're decent ways away. Um, And they have horses and they have a workshop. And so like, I don't know them, but I've kind of waved to them in the past. We're not out there enough. And I think that's the problem is like, I haven't gotten to know them and the people that are actually in front of our property up against the road, there's a cabin that's like this little tiny plot of land that's right up against the road. But they are basically in our kind of front, our frontage. And I have not met them at all. I've never even seen them because like they don't come out of their cabin, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I see cars come and go. But so it's kind of a bummer because I would like to be able to have that relationship like we're talking about to kind of, you know, at least just... I can speak to you and like, you know who I am. There's no question about if there's something, you know, bad going on or like the person coming in out of the building owns the building, that type of stuff. And, um, it's, I guess I'm just going to have to take the initiative to go knock on their door at some point, but if it, it feels weird to take do cookies. that as well, because yeah, that's a good idea. I was going to say, because it feels weird because if someone doesn't want to come out of their house to go actively knock on their door and be like, Hey, you need to, introduce yourself you know or i need to introduce myself to you it feels a little like days. forced and maybe I, maybe I, leave I, yeah. a note in the mailbox just say hey my name's bob if you want to come see what oh, i'm yeah. doing do that yeah i mean it's not that i'm i want to get to know him necessarily it's just i want to be able to have an open communication like one time <laughs> jenny was mowing the first time we went out mowing with our big mower and these people have some blueberry bushes right up against the property line and so she was trying to mow, she was trying to be nice and mow around their blueberry bushes for them because they were on the property line. And she like nicked one of them with the little flap on the mower that sticks off the side. And it didn't hurt the bush, but that's when she was like, oh no, like what if I had destroyed these people's blueberry bushes that they've probably had for 30 years? You know, I would have to go talk to them and explain that, but that would be our introduction to these people is like, hey, we just screwed up something <laughs> of yours. We don't want that, right? So yeah, Jimmy, you're probably right. It should just write a little note with some contact information if you ever need anything. And just right at know, the bottom, right, Bob, make... the YouTube guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. No. You uh, probably yeah, know me though, from because... YouTube. <laughs> Started off with that. 
Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird. And I don't know if he listens to this. So if you do, David, I'm sorry. I don't mean to call you out in any way. But the people that we bought the farm from, when we went to buy it, it was the wife was the one at the, the closing. And she had a baby with her, and she was just like, my husband couldn't be here, he's at work, and so I'm signing the paper. I'm like, great, no big deal. We signed the paper, it was done, we moved on with life. And then I kept seeing her at restaurants. I was like, oh, hey, that's the woman, though I don't know her name, but that's the woman we bought the property from. And then I saw one time her husband was with her, and then we were at church, and I see them at our church, and I'm like, all right, I need to go up and introduce myself to these people. Like, we, you know, we have some commonality. And so I go up to introduce myself and he's like, oh, I know who you are. My son watches your videos. Like, <laughs> what a weird yeah. thing. And he was like, uh, we put out the first video about the farm, about taking out the electrical. And the first thing he got to the, once we introduced ourselves, he was like, I did not do that electrical, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. It was just kind of a weird thing where I was going into this, like, I want to go meet these people because we have a commonality, because it's a small town and whatever. And we're in that we have we're at the same place and his reaction was like oh yeah we watched your videos and i don't know it was just kind of strange but it was cool also to make that connection because now even though i don't know them well it's another connection with some more information about a piece of property that we have that we wouldn't have had before so he was telling me about what that particular place was like when he got it and the people he bought it from gave me some background there which was kind of interesting but as it's kind of against my nature oftentimes to actively step out of my comfort zone and go talk to a random person that I don't know and like initiate that conversation. I don't want to speak for you guys, but I kind of imagine it's probably kind of like that for you. Um, and it, it's tough to make that step, but at the same time, I think more often than not, that's probably the right thing to do, especially if you, when you're talking about neighbors uh, where you may affect them with, the noise that you create or with the trash, that's a big thing. We have tons of cardboard boxes here and tons of trash. So when I take my trash out, it's like two or three times more than everybody else on the street. Not that that's really an issue, but <clears throat> it makes us an oddity, right? It makes us stand out at our house in our neighborhood. So was, I think the more relationship you can have with your neighbors, uh, the less of a big deal that type of stuff becomes. I don't know. Yeah, I think the, the the greatest way is just like when you see them, just wave and, and just yeah. always wave, always say hello. You don't have to have a conversation, but that eventually turns into a conversation. It kind of like, you know, it's 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 the icebreaker for sure. So there's a guy, an old man, very very old man, in our neighborhood, and he walks all day every day. And every <laughs> Anthony's time we already go laughing. to lunch. <laughs> Anthony's already laughing about it. <laughs> Anthony's laughing about it. So he he almost always wears like a windbreaker jacket, sunglasses so you can't see his eyes, and a baseball cap, which sounds creepy, but he's not. He's just an old dude. And so every time we go to lunch, we see this guy walking somewhere on the street, and we always wave to him. Like I waved to him just passing just to say hi, and he didn't wave back. He just looked at me. It, was like, it wasn't like he wasn't looking at me, and he's looking straight at me and just did not wave. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's on now. Now we're going to wave to that guy. And so I've been in this house for over two years now, and we have waved at that guy probably a hundred times. I'm not exaggerating. And it's like the guys know it. Every time we're in the car, all of us wave to him, and he has never waved back. (laughs) And we thought, and he always has his arms in his jacket. And so for a while we were like, oh, maybe he doesn't have hands. Like maybe, (laughs) maybe, I don't know. He just, he's ashamed. He doesn't have hands. And then one day we saw him in shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm like, nope, dude totally has hands and like full arms. And he's just deciding not to wave. So the other day he was walking by my house and I was in the front yard. So we're not in the car, right? It's This is like human-to-human human interaction. <laughs> I'm dragging this tree that I cut down to the front of the yard for them to pick up. So he's across the street from me, and he turns, <laughs> looks straight at me, and I was like, hey! And I waved, and I said, hey, and he just turned around and kept walking. <laughs> like, okay, that dude just wants nothing to do with other people. You know, when anyway, your, your parents So you can't win you, them all, I guess. Is yeah. The- <laughs> your parents tell you don't talk to strangers? <laughs> He just he just yeah. hung on to that one. 
That's true. Yeah. Um, Maybe uh, next time you see him, just say, "You think I'm going to wave at you, but I'm not." Take <laughs> him out real good. Yeah, play that game. Lift my hand up and then just push my hair back on the side. <laughs> oh like, yeah. <laughs> we had a funny way of meeting our other neighbor a few weeks ago. We we have kind of a wooded area on one side, so we don't even see or hear the other neighbors. But there was a there was a maintenance man working on our air conditioner. And he comes and knocks on my shop door and like, hey, your neighbor wants to meet you. Your tree fell into his yard. And I was like, what? And like instant like nervousness, like, oh, man, because we just had a big storm the night before. I was like, this is not going to be good. He's going to be upset. I probably ruined a piece of his property. And um, it turns out he was like the nicest guy ever. And he's like, yep, your, your tree fell into our yard. It didn't hit anything. Um, you want to help me chainsaw it up later today? And I was like, yeah. And so we just spent that evening. I'd never used a chainsaw. And we just kind of spent the evening chopping up the tree and got to hang out with him. He he sells CNCs for a living, but to manufacturers, not to little silly YouTubers. And um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great thing. So I'm kind of glad my tree fell into his yard because it opened up the conversation. That's awesome. Speaking of that, um, another example of why this is worthwhile, Josh has met a few of the people in his neighborhood. Um, they, they like organized a block party when they moved in so that they could meet the people around them. And <clears throat> a couple days ago, I guess it was last week, we were over at his house working on a project that's coming up that's there. And one of his neighbors was going to get a tree cut down. And somehow they got into a conversation and Josh and his wife were like, oh, yeah, we actually have a disease tree in our front yard, too. We should ask them if they'll do do them at the same time. And through the process of talking to the tree people about this, they were like, oh, well, if we do two on the same street, we'll give you a discount. So they ended up getting a discount to get this tree removed. It was actually really fascinating to watch them. This crew of four or five guys take down this tree. It took them like 15 minutes flat. Like from walking up to the driveway to it being completely gone and raked up. It was amazing. But anyway, I mean, that was like where, you know, they just reached out to their neighbors just to get to know them a little bit and it it saved them money. So can't beat that. Anyway, you guys got anything else on this? We don't really have a whole lot there. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Just it's it's better to get to know them before there's a problem than when you're dealing with a problem. Something that's always soured from that moment on. You'll never have like mm-hmm. a genuine friendship with somebody if the initial is. Could you please stop making noise? I guess that first. <laughs> then you're always the guy that makes noise. You're that YouTube guy in the basement that doesn't stop using machines. What is what is the yeah. loudest machines in your shop? Because as a woodworker, it's not like I'm running my table saw eight hours at a time. I'm only using my table saw for sixty seconds, uh, two minutes, and and then it's and then it's done. I think maybe the most annoying tool would be the router mounted in the router table because that might yeah. be running for a few mm. minutes. And that's loud. The router is like, super high pitch. And then also yeah. grinding, like in the basement in the city, we would we still do, but now I don't have the problem of worrying about it. But we would cut steel. If you're cutting steel with a cutoff disc, that's like super high pitch. You definitely need to wear ear protection for that. Or the grinder, like cleaning up welds. Uh, but definitely, yeah, the router is was really, really crazy. And then I would run the CNC machine in the front room of my, my basement shop in the city. And my neighbors up in the front room were, were hairstylists. They could care less. They had music blasting all day long, so they didn't care what I did. And plus, they liked me because the minute they had a problem, they're like, Jimmy, can you fix this? Our toilet broke, and then you know, I just <laughs> help them with whatever. So we had a pretty good, easygoing relationship. For me, uh, it's the dust collector. I upgraded a while back to like a really big Laguna dust collector. And that thing sounds like an aircraft carrier. It is so loud. And I don't run it for too long, but if we're going to be doing a bunch of, you know, saw work in the shop, I'll just like leave it on and move from saw to saw. And it's almost loud enough that you can't really hear other people standing next to you talking. Mm. And maybe it's the low ceiling in the shop, you know, that may be part of it is just, there's nowhere for the sound to go. But when I got that thing, I was like, wow, it's insanely powerful and insanely loud, like almost to the point to where it's not quite worthwhile. Yeah. It's, Oh wow. It's an awesome tool, but it is really, really loud. 
So I, it, the bad thing about that is I'm less likely to turn it on for a shortcut, you know, if I'm just making a couple yeah. of quick cuts because it's so loud. And then I don't use it as much as I should just for that reason. So, but I anyway. do have, um, I'm very fortunate to have the Festool dust extractors instead of a normal shot back. And I have uh, a couple of them in the shop. And for whatever reason, German engineering maybe, but they are way quieter than a normal shot back. Hmm. Um, and then I have a couple of the wall-mounted, they're like the Rockler dust collectors on some of the bigger tools, and they're actually not that loud. And because those are not hooked up to an entire system, but just to a particular tool, I think I'm maintaining a good suction, CFM or whatever that's called. And um, so, yeah, my, my dust collection... Thank goodness is is not that not that loud. But. Yeah, I use a uh, a dust collector from Harbor Freight. I have one on the CNC machine and one on the table saw, and that's basically it. If we need it somewhere else, we unplug it and move it over. That's it. And other than that, I just use a small vacuum. I've been using a, a a Metabo sent me over a small little shop vac, which works great. Cool. All right. Well, um, you guys want to figure out what you're going to recommend <laughs> while I talk about Patreon. Big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we have a lot of people that help us out over there. And, you know, like we got a message this week and I haven't sent it to you guys yet, but somebody uh, wrote us to say that they were stopping their Patreon support, not because of us, but because they're they're doing renovations and they're going to reallocate their money, which I thought was so awesome. And like, but the guy was a little apologetic that he was stopping supporting on Patreon. And I don't want that. <laughs> I want people to like do it if they can. But it, it spoke to how cool the people that help us out on Patreon really are because he cared enough to, to write us a message and say like, it's not you, it's me (laughs) basically, you know, like, uh, anyway, big thanks to that guy and I'll write him back. But, um, the people that help us out are super cool and we're really grateful for them. Um, the top supporters over there are Corey Ward works by solo Chad for man crafting maker and training fun kiss, artistic creations, blondie hacks. You can make this too. modern DIY and Jenny and Davis. Um, but that they're just our top supporters. There's a whole bunch of other people that help us out and everybody that helps at any level gets the after show, which is more of us talking and secret stuff sometimes. And we should come up with like a special thing that we only do in the after show, Mm. like a, like a segment. Okay. We'll work on that. that. We'll talk, we'll talk to the, the patrons about it. Oh, there you go. Jimmy, you're Jimmy's muted. muted, and he's talking to us. He has an idea, I can tell, but he's muted. <laughs> YouTube channels that we hate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the ones we love, and then right Maybe. after that, the ones we hate. <laughs> the ones we hate. Here's one I don't recommend. Jimmy Fallon does that. Like, do not read lists. Uh, <laughs> these books are terrible. Don't read them. That would be funny. Um, anyway, if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash making it. We would appreciate it. Thank you. Thank but you. if you don't want to, that's fine. No big deal. All right. What you got? Okay, I uh, I'm gonna shout out my buddies at Full Spectrum Laser because they have a a YouTube channel with tons of tips and tricks and stuff, and they they say they just need more traction. So, of course, they're pushing their product, but there's lots of tips and tricks that will apply to any laser system. So, go check out Full Spectrum Lasers YouTube channel, and uh, I'm probably gonna be on there a little bit more. We've been talking about me doing some more laser tips and trick videos for them. And just some laser build videos. So check out Full Spectrum Lasers YouTube channel. Cool. Um, I don't have anything groundbreaking or maker-centric, but uh, yeah, shoot. So I'm going with uh, Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. It's a, it's a series. The third season was just released. I I'm just a big fan of music, and this show kind of, tells the origin stories of hip-hop or different genres within hip-hop. And it's really good. The host is, he goes around and he interviews people who were involved in the beginnings and or certain genres and, and stuff. And he's a really good listener. Like, he'll ask a question and then just sits back and lets everybody speak. And it's a, it's just a really good show. And the third season was just released. One is, there's a, there's a lot of interviewers who are really good and people open up to these 
people asking questions, but they tend to interrupt a lot. Or if somebody takes a break to think, you know, when, when somebody tries to complete their sentences, I really, really dislike that. It's like when I was listening to podcasts, I could not stand Mark Marin. People opened up to him, but he interrupts and he tries to complete their thoughts all the time. And I was just like, oh, I can't stand that. And this interviewer, complete opposite, just lets everybody talk and lets them tell the stories. And it's just really good. I was listening to something recently and I can't remember what it was, but they said the best way to interview someone is just to shut up. <laughs> and it was basically what you're saying where, you know, you let the person, because a lot of times when you ask someone a question, they don't necessarily have a canned answer for something. They have to start talking and then their brain is kind of catching up with, I mean, I do it constantly where I'll say something and then I go back and I say it again better the second time, but I'm really just finally getting to the thought that I was trying to get to in the first place. And a lot of times if you're interviewing somebody and you don't interrupt them, they're able to actually get to what they really want to say once they've stumbled through, mm -hmm. you know, the brain and the mouth working at the same time. And I can't remember where I saw that, but it was really good. And they gave some examples. They showed some clips of people who just like would ask a question and then just stare at the person and they would be like, oh, here's my answer. Uh, well, actually what I really mean is this. And, and that leads to this. And you know, it like they go deeper and they end up saying things that they wouldn't in the first pass because they just, their brain wasn't there yet. So you're totally right. All right. Mine is uh good old Alex. We've talked about Alex a bunch of times, French guy cooking. Oh yeah. Um, so he made recently, he did some, he called them Optimus Prime Kitchen Islands or something like that. Uh, yeah, op I'm building the Optimus Prime of Kitchen Islands. And so he's, instead of a big stationary kitchen island, he's making these modules that snap together. And when he was making them, when I'm watching this video, I watched it because I like Alex, one, but also because it had Optimus Prime in the title. And I'm like, oh, well, that's awesome. And it's like the same approach that I took to my workbenches where I put magnets on the corners and so you could snap multiple pieces together to make a bigger island. And I sent him a message and I was like, did you ever see my video of this a couple of years ago? And he, he said no, which I thought was really cool that two people in very different spaces basically came to the same idea through just random stuff. Um, but anyway, he's building a series about building these islands and each one is going to have different stuff in it. He also put out, I guess the last video he put out about it was um, he made two trash cans top and bottom on one of these little island segments with buttons. And so he can like tap his foot on a button and the trash can slides out and opens up so that he can drop stuff in it without ever having to touch it. So if he's working with raw chicken or something, he can do that all with his foot and he can open and close it and never have to actually touch the thing with dirty hands. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. like right up my alley. Um, so anyway, and he and I have been talking about working on a video together. So oh, cool. To that as well, but go check out Alex and I'm not even into food. Like I'm not into cooking at all, to be honest, but he's just super entertaining. Yeah. Uh, he's fun to watch. So great guy. Go check him out. You guys got anything else? Hmm. No. I'm just getting my I'm getting my list of people that I don't like together. So cool, <laughs> cool, great. It's more than one apparently. We don't usually do this, but I wanted to throw kind of a, a call out to. Um, I enjoy listening to the Modern Maker podcast. Yep, those guys over there. It's a great show. I think they cover some really good stuff. They're doing a challenge right now. I'm actually not a big challenge person. I don't really like the woodworking challenges so much, but I think what they're doing. And the reason that they're doing it is pretty cool. So they're doing a Bentwood challenge, Bentwood challenge. And last week, or two weeks ago, or whenever they released the episode, I'm behind. They talked about why they're doing it. And this one is, the Bentwood stuff is, a, there's a learning curve to it. And so um, it takes extra steps. It takes a little bit of experimentation. And they're basically trying to get people to be a part of this challenge and then use all of the content around that to build a playlist for people in the future who want to learn about it. They have a big resource of here's a bunch of different ways to do bent wood. So it's not like, what can you do with a two by four? It's here's a skill that takes some experimentation. Let's all do the experimentation together and then kind of publish it as a guide for people in the future to be able to skip those trial and error steps, I think. 
And I thought that was really cool. So that made me rethink like the challenge thing a little bit because there's a, there's more of a community aspect to it than a competition aspect, which works better for me personally, but either way, I like their show. I like what they're doing. And I think that's a great reason to do something like that. So um, go, go listen to their show if you don't, but also check out that challenge. I hear they're cool guys. They're pretty cool guys. <laughs> they are really cool guys. What's up, guys? All right. You guys got anything else? That's it. All right. More of that in the after show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like 30 minutes of Jimmy making weird dog noises or whatever. All right. <laughs> I could do dog training. Right. That could be the... Uh, I could do New York dog training in the second part of the oh. show. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was a... As an offline joke. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs>